good to me. Live from the Twin Cities, we are the Daves you know. This is the Daves I know. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. All right, and welcome back to the Dave's I Know podcast. Uh, we are uh, in the Zoom again. We unfortunately were not able to make it to the Black Card at 7 p.m. And once we figured out um, that that was not going to be the case, uh, trying to record a podcast while a bunch of people playing trivia is kind of a pain in the ass uh, in terms of listening to it later. Um, so we don't want to make that a problem for you guys. So we're back. Uh, we have the regular, the regular crew. MJ, how are you doing? I'm awake. Awake, have you fully recovered yet from Omaha, or are you still still trying to get no, back in the I swing mean, of things? It, it, it's hard getting back after a family funeral. Not so much because I've been crying and bawling my eyes out. It's, it's just uh, the, the schedule I was on that weekend was very much biased towards my family that are early risers. Oh. A, a fucking 9 a.m. burial, a... a, a an eight uh like, nine a.m. kill you as well or what yeah yeah a nine a nine a.m breakfast that was supposed to be a 10 30 a.m brunch family brunch <laughs> and and then on top of that the days that i could have slept in and just hung out with my family my immediately my parents my sister brother-in-law and the, my two nephews decided they were going to get breakfast at fucking early ass times like and what um, a guy you are you you just had well, to get up. The, the, the day that we were leaving, or most of us were leaving on Monday, uh, it was supposed to be an 8 a.m. breakfast, and they moved it to 7.30. So I got woken up by my sister at 7, and one of the conditions of me staying in the Airbnb with my entire family was no one wakes me up, only my alarm wakes me up, and they broke the fucking rule. Next time, get your own Airbnb. The longest non-talking there. The longest so non-talking I've gone on this fucking. Podcast. I just, I've just, uh, I just decided to murder all my family, so I, I just have my own schedule. So, which is the way to go? Way cheaper. Yeah, yeah. You, exactly. you finally got your in-laws out out of the house, David. Uh, mostly, they're mostly out of the house. Uh, the cats uh, left on yesterday after the Twins game. We went to the. Uh, we all went down to the twins game to watch the twins brewers. Um, but the cats were still here. Um, but yeah, they, they left yesterday. There's still some stuff in my house that is not mine, but it's mostly not on the main floor, which is the best part is that I finally have taken back my kitchen and my living room and my dining room and got most of their shit out of my sight, which is, I really, that's all I care about is as long as it's not my sight line, I'm totally fine. So, um, it's been great. He's totally fine. Not repressed yes. or stuffing anything at all. Just I've been, fine. Yeah, I've not been to the new place yet. I think I'll be there on Wednesday when I drop uh, Clara off uh, so she can be watched by because I uh, started a new job on Wednesday. So uh, Ooh, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Jess, we have Jess as well. Jess, uh, how are you doing? 
any fun, <laughs> exciting news about in-laws moving out or new jobs or um, dead family members? I, well, my little brother was alive amongst the living here in the Twin Cities uh, last week. So uh, we hung out Thursday. Shout out to my bro. He will never listen to this podcast, like even more than anyone else will never listen to this podcast because he refu- he refuses he won't even go to a game with me or wear the Minnesota United shit I send him I'm like represent you're in Portland Re- yeah he's but um but he's still amongst the living and it'd been two years since I saw him last so proof positive that's that's good that's good so yeah. uh well great I'm glad everybody is good and healthy and all that um except for obviously MJ's grandpa, uh, still dead. Um, <laughs> sorry, MJ. I, that was, that was low hanging, hanging fruit there. Um, you can say that about several of my grandparents as well. Not so. repressed. He's not stuffing anything. It's not coming outside. Uh, so don't worry about it. Yeah. All right. If you also uh, apologies to all of our listeners and Twitter followers that did not know that one, my grandpa really had died. And two, that I was going to use that to give David shit on, on online. Um, I thought it was hilarious that you used a, an actual picture of your dead grandpa and not like some stock footage or something like yeah, yeah, that. No, I no, thought no. was the most hilarious part. Um, <laughs> which if people don't know you, they, w- they, don't, they wouldn't necessarily know that you are adopted and that you, you know, your grandfather wouldn't look, you know, look, look more like you, obviously. So it's, it's kind yeah, of... No, it's, no, no. He works hilarious. on so many levels. My, my, yeah. my grandpa mom uh, is is his family obviously stems from MoMA, Sweden, mm-hmm. which is the initial club that I believe Ibrahimovic played for. I believe it. I believe you're um, right. My grandpa actually owns part of that club now. Ibrahimovic. <laughs> if you want to see a picture of him, uh, you can scroll down the Dave's I know Twitter feed. It's, it's still there. So I didn't, I didn't delete anything. So, uh, all right. If you are a member of the Patreon, um, uh, we have beer for you. Uh, I was sending out an email here hopefully later this week to set up some potential pickup times, uh, maybe around the U S men's national team games. Uh, and then again, once we start head back with the, um, Minnesota, uh, United, which will be in a couple weeks. So, um, look for that. It's, it's the Heath out stout it's in a smaller, it's a 12 ounce. It's a little guy, much like inchy, a little guy. Um, cause that, little big, guy. that big one packed a wallop. This one will pack a wallop too. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, uh, you could probably just drink it yourself as opposed to like, trying to finagle someone else to help finish you finish a bottle because it's just so goddamn um, alcoholic. So and delicious. So be on the lookout for that. If you are a Patreon member, Um, I believe we have a few extras. So if you aren't not yet a Patreon and want to get involved, you can definitely sign up uh, and uh, we can hook you up with that uh, inchy, the inchy Heath out stout beer. So um, special thanks to our friends over at hop clouds, uh, Christian Fitchett, especially who was, who was the one who did all the brewing for that. Um, so yeah, so keep an eye on your email. Um, hopefully in the next couple of days, I'll be sending that out. So, all right, well, let's talk about what the hell just happened. Um, as we mentioned, and kind of alluded to, there's going to be a gap here between Minnesota United games. It's the first international break of the, you know, European slash, I guess, technically some of the liber- some of the uh, comma bowls teams start up early, but this is like the big, one of the bigger international breaks. Um Lots of players not not leaving uh, the EPL to go to places like Brazil and Chile and um, all that because of uh, some really uh, 
racist shit, but you know, it's neither here nor there. We're talking about Minnesota United. So we'll talk about the qualifiers and stuff here at the end of the Wait, podcast. David, doesn't the pandemic have something to do with not wanting to go to those countries as well? Well, it's, 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 that's not what's, 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 we can save that for the end of the podcast. I don't want to get into that conversation right now. It's not really, it's not really that. Yeah, it's, it's, not, the, it's not the reason. So, uh, however, so Are we you do have like game. your work? Is this a conflict of interest with your new gig and a pod? No, my new gig is definitely not about anything pandemic related and or soccer related or so racist no. or racist. I mean, there's probably there's racists who probably don't like what I do, but that's not they're not like officially part of my job. Actually, I think there's lots of racists who don't like what I'm going to be going to be doing. So we can talk about it off air. Um, all right. Minnesota United uh, goes down to Houston uh, to BBVA Stadium uh, to play the Dynamo, a team that they've never beaten in Houston. Um, it's very clear to point out they've never beat them in Houston. Uh, they have, I think, a couple draws down there. Yeah, in MLS. Um, they have a couple draws down there, but nothing of consequence. Anyways, uh, MJ, can you tell us, we had, a, we had a shit ton of loons that were out, including some, um, you know, nailed on starters. Who was out for Minnesota? Nine loons were out. Uh, Debassi for yellow card accumulation. Fragapane for a thigh injury. Nico Hansen for a hamstring injury. Newcomer Rosales hasn't seen the pitch yet on a knee injury. Gregush ankle, Lud calf, Reynoso thigh, McMaster thigh, Agadello thigh. Yeah, that's, so that's that's, that's a lot of a lot of thighs. That's four for sure starters. Uh, uh, Hansen, who you know has looked really good when he's gotten some some run out. Uh, McMaster, mm-hmm. who's actually looked pretty good when he's gotten some run out, uh, and then Agadello. So um, you know. Nothing, nothing to sneeze at. Uh, the Dynamo actually had a few players out though too. MJ, who who was out for the Dynamo? Well, so they had four players out. Like you probably don't even know who Nico Lemoyne and Tyler Pasher are. Um, yeah. They were both out, but like Corey Baird, their their recent yeah. acquisition, uh, who, bigger name in MLS especially, played really well against us earlier in the month. Um, Corey Baird was out with a the uh, hockey description lower body injury in ice hockey they like to give very very generic descriptions so that uh people who are dicks don't like try to manipulate or target the injury area lower so, yeah, body years, lower body lower body injury in soccer just means your um, penis mj uh, <laughs> got a dick injury yeah yeah well i mean in addition to this Marco Marich, the goalkeeper for Houston, is also out on a very late scratch. Do not yeah. know what him. He was. It was weird to see not uh, Marich in, in goal for Houston when the game kicked off. So, so, so Michael Nelson se- steps up. The last time Michael Nelson played a full ninety was for uh, eight games for Rio Grande Valley FC, which is a USLC uh, or USL Championship affiliate of Houston Dynamo. And that was in like September. He played two games for Rio Grande in September of 2019. 2019. <laughs> the last time he, he played for the Dynamo? Do any of you know? Never. Uh, yeah, it's never. This is his first game. No, no. June 18th. June 18th, 2019, U.S. Open Cup. Oh, it was MLS debut. 2 nothing. This is against Minnesota United. Went down... Pena and, and uh, Martinez goals. We were down to nothing. 
then Quintero scores a brace. Toy scores the winner in the 89th minute. Um, this was not the initial happy birthday, Dylan Wolfers. That was the year previous, but yeah. yeah. Um, this is on there. So the only their... times that Michael Nelson has played for the Houston Dynamo have been in Houston versus Minnesota United. Weird. And he's lost both times. So, all right. <laughs> Poor Michael Nelson. Yeah, uh, a few other roster notes very quickly. Uh, Coleman obviously came in uh, at left center back for Debasi. Our midfield was Hayes, uh, Ozzy, and, and Will Trapp. Uh, and the front three stayed the same, Dotson, Hunu, and Finley. Um, obviously, fin- and then we had Fernando Adi on the bench. Um, two goalkeepers on the bench. We'll talk about, about that at, at in uh, big questions. He's calling uh, keeping Gucci from Sacramento Republic. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk We'll talk about that in uh, big questions. But um. And then uh, for Houston, Pico, Oruti, and Dorsey were up top. Uh, I, Tab Ramos uh, missed the game. The manager, Tab Ramos, missed the game due to a family emergency, which um, was not really discussed. And it's, you know, obviously a personal thing. So um, there, I can't even, I don't even know who their assistant manager was, but he was, uh, he was on the bench um, managing the game, which let's be fair, started out really fucking well for Houston. Uh Adalberto Carrasquilla uh, scores from Fafa Picol. Um, just absolutely terrible defending from Metnir and Hayes. Uh, Picol finds uh, Carrasquilla like trailing into the box. Uh, he takes a shot. It, def- it deflects off of Brent Coleman, um, to be fair to um, Tyler Miller. But that ball was probably going in, even if Coleman nope. doesn't get a full boot on it. Tyler Miller was falling the correct direction. And then the deflection Coleman wasn't that the, the direction that, that, that Miller wasn't falling. We'll yeah. never know. We'll never know that, that, that deflection was, it wasn't so much of a deflection. I mean, it was enough, obviously that it sort of wrong footed Tyler Miller. Um, there's no, I don't put that goal on Tyler Miller. Um, I don't even no. really put that goal on Brent Coleman. I put that goal on uh, Romain Metnir and Ja'Cory Hayes, which is absolutely uh, shit defending inside the first minute i think i believe it was 54 seconds into the game um just absolutely terrible defending uh and then yeah just just they it, that it looked it looked bad after that so menier had a horrible aggressive run at the ball he was far away far away and he thought he could get to this ball in the air and Boxall also tried to get the ball in the air. So when Boxall jumps and Metnier runs at the ball, both of them are basically out of the play. I think Metnier is past Finley, actually, honestly, in terms of his positioning. Pico had so much space on the left-hand side. Boxall's then, after landing from his jump, is trying to compensate and fill Metnier's spot on the right-back side. And he's trying to limit Fafa Pico's options. But Ja'Cory Hayes, has to like stop ball watching and looking at the cutter towards the box. Coleman has to look at the, you know, it, it was just a team effort defensive meltdown. And I agree with you, Hayes and Met and Aaron deserve more blame than than Miller and, and Coleman. Yeah. And then the, the game just got kind of I don't want to say worse, obviously, because you know they didn't score again. Um classic scoring too early for Houston. Uh, in the 16th minute, though, Minnesota gets a goal uh, from a set piece, a, a, a great set piece delivery from Will Trapp, who is taking them for Reynoso because Reynoso and Gregus are both out. Um, 
ball gets headed to the back post by a, a Houston defender. Um, the rest of the, of the Houston back line is just ball watching. No one's marking Ethan Finley who puts it back across the goal. No one is marking Adrian who knew uh, who just taps it in. That's a, that's a classic uh, poacher's goal from a striker um, gave who knew uh, obviously as we'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit, a ton of confidence. Um, he's, he, I think he's missed a couple of those sitters like that. So the fact that he was able just to just slide it in um, with literally no one on him, all the Houston defenders just absolutely ball watching was a, uh, was terrible marking um, and pointed out if you watch the broadcast, the Houston, uh, the broadcasters are just like, cause I watched the, when I watched the highlights, cause we watched the, at the black heart, we watched the Minnesota feed, but then we watched, when we watched the highlights that they take it from the home team feed, just absolutely ripping the Houston uh, defenders for their lack of uh, um, awareness on set pieces, which is clearly the point here. So. For whatever reason, Houston decides to, man mark and they they stick Zarek Valentin on Dotson who is more centrally positioned on the set piece and that means that Valentin's normal spot being on the right back is is left wide open and who is charged with being over there it's their right wing Griffin Dorsey sorry their left yeah right wing Griffin Dorsey so Dorsey is having to track back Mark Finley he's not a he's not a a right back you know he's he's a he's a winger and so he's looking at the ball he's not he has no clue where Finley is and the same thing happens with someone who should know better left fullback Adam Lundquist and what did I say last week let's attack down the right because Valentin's a better defender than Lundquist is Lundquist you know you know he was out to lunch which makes me hungry right now <laughs> uh spoiler alert both goals come from the right hand side so <clears throat> that was a uh, prescient remarks so I, I will throw i will point out at this point houston had uh, had about 65 percent possession uh we're actually <laughs> bossing bossing the game they had several other opportunities to score uh in fact they had a, they, they created a turnover in the uh midfield uh the 18th minute so two minutes after this goal goes in um that they almost converted um uh, Karaskia again just drags it right across the face of goal. Tyler Miller diving, but if he had put it one foot to the to his right, it would have gone in. Miller had no shot at it. Uh, and then in the thirty second minute, again another turnover. Um, uh, Uratidi pa- takes control of the ball, passes to Fafa Picol, uh, who's again in just miles of space. I don't know where the hell Romain Metinier was. Uh, he turns Boxel, um, you know, turns him in. Uh, and then hits the crossbar um, with his right foot um, easily could have been a two or three to one uh, game for Houston uh, for halftime. Uh, Minnesota eventually starts to recover. Um, actually they get into halftime with about 50%. It's the, the possession stats are, and everything is pretty much 50, um, 50 at this point um, shots on goal, you know, shots on target, things like that. They're all pretty much uh, equal uh, Houston. I think, clearly came out and they had a, they had a plan to just try and smash Minnesota in the face. And then hopefully they could just hang on defensively. Um, but Minnesota played fairly well, settled down, um, you know, played not good, but not terrible soccer in the second half actually made some, you know, connected some passes on uh, the 59th minute. Uh, Fernando Adi, who had just been training with the team for what, two and a half days or something like that before he got signed. I didn't think he would be cleared to play this game, to be honest. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming if he was probably in the United States, he was probably if he wasn't traveling from out of out of the country, he probably didn't have to go through any sort of quarantine, right? Quarantine issues, which I'm guessing is was the case. But Fernando Adi uh, comes on. We'll talk a little bit about Fernando Adi in that signing uh, in a little bit. But he comes on for Jacory Hayes, um, proves to be a prescient uh, signing and a prescient substitution for. Uh, Adrian Heath is he has anyone else noticed that that's about the fourth time Zellers used the word prescient prescient yeah I don't know I'm just, I just keeping you as on I your said toes. It, as I hard. said it as I said it I was like, that's, I've been saying I've been saying it's this a, a lot word. so don't get me wrong I like ascertain, ascertain the, the, the reason yeah <laughs> all right so that Minnesota goal in the 72nd minute uh it's Adrian Hunu again uh gets his brace um, it comes from, uh, actually technically Ethan Finley who makes the pass, but it starts yeah, off with, it. with Romain Metinier with a, a really good throw in to Fernando Adi, um, who basically turns and backs his man down a little bit, uh, and then just back heels it into a, uh, into an onrushing Ethan Finley, who's, you know, basically unmarked, who passes it to Adrian Hunu, who again is also unmarked, uh, who slides it right past, uh, the, uh, Virgin keeper Nelson for to make it two to one for Minnesota United. Um, it was a very it was a very good looking goal when they scored it, and you know, I won't say against the run of play um, because Minnesota I think was probably have been doing more, but it, clearly this is a game that both it was a war of attrition really, and um, Houston uh, capitulated first. So yeah. MJ, like, did you have any? Sorry, sorry, Jess, go ahead. That's okay. Um, I was reading in the recap. Um, I actually didn't watch the match in real time. I was devastated. Like I felt, I felt pre-devastated. Um, I was already saturated with what I thought was probably an impending loss, given our bench and whatnot. So I was like, I'm not even going to look. I can't watch that train wreck. And uh, good thing I didn't because I got to wake up to good news. Um, you know, ESPN keeping me up to date with those banner notifications. Um, yeah. So. Uh, what was I going to say? I don't remember. Oh, did you, did you get a chance to see any of the goals at least then afterwards or? Oh yeah. I, I watched the recap. Okay. For sure. Not our feed recap, the MLS, whatever feed recap. Yeah. The Houston one. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised and I did remember what I was going to say, but then I didn't remember. David interrupted you. And now I don't remember again. It's just, 9 p.m. Uh, <laughs> post post uh, ADHD medication time. <laughs> uh, well, Adi's back heel was was great. Um, clearly, you know he's developing some rapport with the team. So the the back heel was great, but it actually went behind Finley, and Finley had to contort his body against the momentum he was running to be able to collect the ball and be able to pass it. And then the wherewithal, which I don't see a lot from Finley, using his off foot, using the left foot, because it makes a bigger passing lane and a better uh, passing angle, using the left foot to, to assist Unu. It's it's a nice growth and like new tricks in the bag for Finley. Yeah. 
to be fair, again, no one was marking Unu, so he had he had a lot of space to to put the ball into. Uh, didn't have to really thread a, thread a needle on that one. So now, if so, yeah, someone so- had told me that the Dynamo hadn't won a single match in their last fourteen, well, I, maybe I would have watched this match. I just needed to hear it a different way. <laughs> the uh, we have Minnesota, never won an MLS game down there. So that's, that's the other thing too. So we had never won a game down there. Um, they have lost 14 in a row or not. They've just not won 14 in a row. Um, this had all the makings of, uh, and it honestly, like Minnesota probably shouldn't have won this game. It, they, the fact that they didn't win, that they did win this game is um, I think an extra bonus. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, three points is three points. I'm not going to, um, you know, turn Don't my head at, at whatever, whatever kind of three points we get. Three points is, is good. Set pieces, David. However, yeah, set pieces were were great, including that including that throw. That was, you know, I I think that clearly that looked like that was a a play that they had designed off of a throw. It wasn't um, any sort of just random. Clearly, they were trying to get the ball into Adi <clears throat> deep into Houston's territory and let him kind of create something, which he did. And to to the credit of the of the of the coaching staff, they drew up a play that that worked at least once. So, and then you know the the will trap set piece was great as well. Um, <clears throat> The uh, so the last thing actually for Minnesota is a 79th minute sub. Uh, Yuka Ratala comes on for Unu uh, as a defensive substitution. As soon as we saw that one at the bar, um, everybody just kind of like groaned, like, of course, we're gonna capitulate, uh, in uh, in the last minute against Houston once as we bring in defensive substitutions. Uh, did not happen. Um, Minnesota saw the game out. Um, I don't even think really. Houston had too much in the way of opportunities. They had, I think a, they had a set piece late in the game. I want to say like the 88th or 89th minute, but really nothing came of it. Um, and really just, they capitulated at the very end of the game. So uh, yeah, so that was the game. Like I said, three points is three points. So um, yeah. So how do we do with, uh, with our predictions for this game? Well, uh, I believe Jess and I both uh, predicted uh, victories. And three points. I think you predicted a draw, MJ. Oh, I thought I predicted a loss, but yeah. Oh, maybe maybe it was a loss. I think when we did our negative Nathan here. <laughs> I mean, where's the Where's the chart? You charted um, them last time. Let me uh, hold on. Let me see if I can. Uh, it's it's in a it's in the Google it's in the Google Drive. Someone wants to pull it up. I I'm like ninety nine percent sure that Jess and I both predicted three points down in Houston, and MJ predicted either. I did either think, a lo- I draw. You're right. I okay. predicted a draw, and and you and. You both picked wins. Yeah, we're okay. not. We're, we're pretty. Uh, we're pretty uh, bearish on Seattle and that, that upcoming game on the 11th. So, um, banking three points is pretty good. So, all right. I want to say that it was 83 degrees down in Houston around the time of the game in the mid 80s, 75 percent uh, degrees in, in dew point. Oh, that's we bad. Just, what? I'll say 83 degrees, not bad. 75 uh, degree dew point, that's pretty bad. So, yeah. John Marthal, who's been doing a great job for the Star Tribune covering Minnesota United, mentioned that they look gassed and, you know, the heat and the humidity is suffocating. Yeah. And when you have conditions that are not Minnesota weather, weather that you train in conditions, I find it shocking, yet not shocking. 
that Houston uses all five of their subs. We only use one. We use two. Oh, we use two. My bad. Yeah, Fernando Adi and and uh, Ratala. Uh, I mean, well, let's let's just let's just jump into this right now because I threw this in like the bigger questions. The bench, as you mentioned, was uh, Dane St. Clair and Adrian Sandejas, uh, two goalkeepers. You you never see two goalkeepers on a bench unless you have absolutely no players to play with. Um, the other subs were Taylor, DJ Taylor, um, the aforementioned Ritala, uh, Wea, Kibunguchi, who's recalled from his loan, and Fernando Adi. So we legitimately had, you know, we could have put five subs on, but who um, who are you taking off in, in lieu of DJ Taylor, Patrick Wea, and uh, Kibunguchi? You give Betnier a rest and put DJ Taylor in, you know, in the, around the, you know, 75th minute. You put Wea in. I don't know. I mean, I could see, I could see subbing Wea in for Unu. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I agree with you. It's, it's clearly not the best scenario, best situation. Um, I think the team probably trained knowing that the guys who started, were going to go the full 90 for the most part. And yeah. I think, I think the, the sub of Adi for Hayes was probably a pre like pre-planned preordained, like you're not Adi's coming in for the last 30 minutes. Um, so Jacory bust your ass for 30 for 60 minutes. Uh, and then you're coming off uh, and Fernando Adi's going to come on. I don't, you know, as I'm the biggest uh, Heath out person in the world and regularly bash him for his subs. You can't really sub people if you don't have players to sub on. And now I will say that by running that thin is what you're saying. Also, what I'm saying is that, is that there's a, there's the person who's responsible for them not having fucking subs is the guy who is managing the team with no fucking subs. So roundabout way of saying, you know, saying Heath out, but like Heath general manager out, versus the Heath coach out. I, I think he, I, I think um, his hands were tied honestly with what he had available. And that is partially on him. That's partially on, uh, you know, running his players into the ground. That's partially on the medical staff for having so many goddamn thigh injuries. Um, most of which happened in partially on the players for having thighs. Yeah. Personally. Yes. I mean, they're those juicy, juicy thighs that they have. Why do they keep getting them hurts? Jerks. <laughs> assholes. Yeah, you gotta start so, watching Suzanne Summers' video at some point. So I, so yes, so you're to your point, MJ. I, I just, you're right. We should, but we should have, we should have more players uh, available. And if we had a, a U23 team or we had a team, you know, in, uh, in, you know, the USL League One that we could recall players from, so that we'd have some players who were familiar with our system, that would not be a problem here. Which again, that's not on, that's not on Coach Heath. That's on, um, you know, Sporting Director general manager, whatever the hell his title is, Heath, and, and his not having, and then and the rest of the front office for not prioritizing that part of the of the squad. So, uh, all right, let's do Freddie Adu's quick because um, we've spent way too much time on a game that was way too fucking boring. Spent way too much time, way more time talking about this game than I spent thinking about on, this it was, game. It was not Saturday. as boring as going down, having our opponents get a red card and then us drawing two games. It wasn't right. that it's fair. It was still pretty fucking boring. I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to lie, man. It was, it was still pretty fucking boring. All right. Uh, who you got for uh, your Freddie Adu's uh, for Minnesota? I have, for my good Freddie Adu, I have uh, Unu. 
I agree. That's who is, is yeah, the obvious choice. You can make it. You can make a case for Tyler Miller. Um, he did make some pretty good saves. Uh, he wasn't at fault for the goal, but Udu is the obvious choice there. So, yeah, we'll trap with, with some great dead balls in Reynoso's absence. You know. Yep. And then who's your shitty Freddie Adu? Oh, my shitty Freddie Adu is Menya. It, it, it has to be. I'm sorry. It, the, <laughs> well, don't don't apologize. Apologize, yes. I mean, if you're if you're part of a back four, even if you're in a Heath fullback needs to be up on the attack back four, and you're back, you're back ready to help your goalkeeper, and you put your position self in a position where you're no longer back there. Like, that's just bad yeah. bad decision making. I'll go. I'll, I, you know, that's a good choice. I, I'll go with Hayes. I think Hayes also um, he said, I think both those guys were, were, I'm not sure. Maybe Metonier was more at fault, but Hayes was, was at a lot of fault on that one as well. And again, um, didn't go the full 90. So uh, Metonier and Metonier was the guy who threw, had the throw in to that created the second goal. So I give Metonier a little bit of credit for that. Cause that was a really good throw in. So I'll go with Hayes um, just yeah. to be slightly different from you. All right, let's talk Houston. Who you got for Houston? Uh, you're good, Freddie. You do. Papa Pico. Yeah, he um, was really good. He made yeah. that goal happen. I mean, nothing against the guy with the super long name that sounds better if I have a bunch of marbles in my mouth. But <laughs> Carrasquilla. Yeah, I'll, I'm going uh, with Carrasquilla. Yeah, I'm going with Carrasquilla. Um, he he was one who scored the goal. He almost got a second. Um, from uh yeah. that 18th minute, uh he played very well um attacking for houston so i think and i think we agree on the shitty freddie do for houston so uh why don't, you, why don't you uh give it to us well as i foretold last week adam lungvis uh left fullback yeah um it was a good was it was a good call he was he was uh, of the many people responsible for that first goal and I don't think he had a really good game after that. He did not. He did not. So, all right. We have one big question this week. And uh, this is, uh, if you have not read uh, the quotes uh, or listened to the Randball pod, which is a, a Star Tribune daily sports podcast. If you, if you like Minnesota sports, I would, I highly enjoy Michael Rand is a really great, um, really great guy, really great interviewer. Uh, he gets on a lot of really great guests. I mostly delete most of them but occasionally he has something on um he talks he talks not just the big you know the the quote unquote big four sports he talks um links minnesota united uh gopher sports um did a lot of stuff around the olympics when the olympics were here it's a really great pod i think it's called daily delivery uh anyways last week he had on ethan finley uh to talk about minnesota united and and how the season's going uh he had ethan finley on shortly after they started the season 0-4 and kind of had some choice words and was, you know, um, reflective of the fact that they could have been, you know, they easily could have been two and two in that, in that stretch. But anyways, the, 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 the reason I bring it up, and this is sort of as like, I'm going to get to my question here in a second, uh, is that he, Michael Rand asked him a question that's basically like, what is the loons playing style outside of get the ball to Reynoso? And this is, this is last week. This is before the Houston game, right? Um, <clears throat> And I don't have Ethan Finley's quotes directly in front of me. Maybe um, MJ does, but it's basically to the effect of like, I don't even know how to answer that question. 
we don't really have an identity I or not, not something that I can point to that we should, but we don't have that. Um, so there was a lot of hand-wringing uh, on the, uh, the Loons internet after that. Um, if you're one of your senior players, one of your probably more important players, at least this point in the season with all the injuries, can't identify your identity, can't like explain your identity to a, um, a general sports columnist, what the fuck's going on? Um, and so I'm, I don't really have a question so much as to point out that this is basically, and some people like uh, tag the Dave's I know account in it, basically saying like, um, or maybe even me, like Texas L are just, you know, going on this Heath out rampage journey for the last five years. And Ethan Finley just right. puts it out on main. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, um, pretty much. So okay. I don't know, I'll let you guys respond to that, react to that um, however you want. Um, yeah, it's, I just, I thought it was, I just, I just, I, just, I saw the quotes in a, a Star Tribune article and I, I literally just listened to the podcast today because I'm like several days behind in my podcast and stuff. So I literally just listened to today and even like just hearing him say, I was just like, holy shit, he actually said that to somebody in the sports media. What the fuck's going on? I love Finley both because of the balance between being a spokesperson and being professional and trying to say the right things. And also balancing that with some raw honesty that you maybe don't get from other players. The first part of the que- answering the question of outside of giving the ball to Reynoso is all of his gears turning and him trying to find, you know, him basically stalling to try to figure out how he's going to answer this question. Man, that's a good question. I'm not sure I can give you a clear answer on that. That's something, not a concern of mine, but something that we have not clearly established internally or even externally. And he kind of goes on and he got, it's kind of babbling. And then he finally kind of gets around to really answering the question. Where I think we don't clearly have an identity is in possession aspect and what we're doing with it. Our possession numbers are up from previous years, but what we're doing with that, how we were taking advantage of that, and is it an advantage for us? Um, so yeah, uh, I won't read the rest of it. You should all listen to the pod or read the article in the trip. It's it's mealy mouth bullshit that he's like, I don't know what the answer is. It's spot on though. Yeah, it's like, get the ball to Reynoso, that's our identity, and if we don't have that, then fuck if I know. Jess, I know you had some thoughts. I do. Um, so this feels very close to home coming. I don't know. feels close to sales to me. Like, even if you're, no matter what your job is at a company, you should be able to say off the top of your head, like, no, like, pop quiz, what's our mission? Like it's a mission statement has to like be in the very, like everybody has to be able to do that. It's the bare minimum. And Ethan Finley is the guy who can't, he's been working here 12 years and he can't state the CEO's mission statement. Like, then what are you doing? And why does what you're doing matter? It, it feels very like on brand, like somebody like, like is probably whipping him in the back of the, you know, like 
no, no, beat it into you. We have an identity, really, and this is what it is, and this is what it means, and you did it wrong. So yeah. I love that Finley is, like, cute, right? He's like, I don't know. I guess we don't really have one. <laughs> like, like yeah. I don't... I, I don't think he's wrong. Um, oh, no, he's but, 100% right. That's the thing. Right. But it's like, like, at least he should be able to make something up convincing. Like, even if the, like there's no single consensus, I, I feel like he played dumb politically. My, my guess is that he was not expecting that question that uh, the comms team for Minnesota United was not expecting Michael Rand to ask a, a legitimate uh, soccer question that yeah. talked about the identity of the team, just like the cursory, like, oh, you started on four. Now you guys have been on a roll. Those, those sort of, um, and mm-hmm. to, be, to be fair, like that's a lot of, you know, that's a lot of what sports journalism questions are. Um, and Michael Rand is not necessarily known as a soccer uh, guy, but he, he's a smart person who read he's he's like super internet-y he like he reads the internet he's got a lot of friends on the internet or, or you know twitter people and who like are who, john marthaler who are yeah yeah john marthaler i mean there's there's loons fans who follow him and like well i'll ch- i'll chirp at uh, michael rand occasionally and just be like hey man like next time you have a loon on ask like ask something like this and so my guess is he picks up on all that stuff uh and then he's able to synthesize it into a question that is absolutely fucking brilliant. And I absolutely love that he asked that question. So uh, kudos to you, Michael. Rand. if you want to come on the podcast, um, please, uh, would love to have you. John Martha too, actually. I should, uh, internet, I think internet-y kind of friends with John. Um, we, we have chatted back and forth. I should actually reach out to him and see if he'd be interested. He has the, his, their own podcast, the Sportive Podcast. He doesn't get to talk nearly enough soccer on that podcast. So he may he may actually be up for, for jumping on this one. So uh all right. Anything else on the Ethan Finley quotes, MJ? Yeah. I just want to say, speaking of John Mothalli, John Mothalli interview player way, way, way back when we were still in the NASL, our first year under, under Dr. Bill McGuire. And the quotes that I have, I'll just read to you. The other players tell me we have never did tactics in four years. How do you play if you don't do tactics? Is nobody is nobody on the same page? And the answer is, we figured it out. We figured it out ourselves on the field. And I said, are you kidding me? The same player also said, but we're not creating any style of soccer. We didn't have a style of soccer. We just play a game in which you're hoping and wishing that something happens. This was 2013 from Etienne, a very bitter Etienne Babara. That guy was bitter, man. <laughs> and that like, was, was that, uh, that was, uh, well, that was Manny, Manny managing yeah, those teams, so right? Manny Lagos, we had that, that brief time where Carl Craig was the head coach. But from Manny Lagos to Adrian Heath, and, and now I ask, what's changed? <laughs> and have Minnesota United and Dr. Bill learned from, from, from the past, you know, this issue of not having identity, not having some sort of, being on the same page in the in the attacking third, like a yeah. historical. Yeah, it's a uh, it is a it is a thing. So, um, we'll see. It's hard to fire owners. Um, it's a lot more easier to fire managers and sporting directors. So, I mean, in uh, we were just happy to have a team. That's true. We were very much so. 
and happy to be rid of Etienne Babara. So um, <laughs> I'm being frank. Uh, all right. What's uh, what's really quick? Let's quickly jump through the other United news um, since we are running very long, longer than I actually thought we would be. Uh, the MLS All-Star game was Wednesday, uh, this last Wednesday. Um, I watched it after my soccer match. Uh, it was a uh, MLS All-Star versus the Liga MX All-Stars. Uh, game ended 1-1. Uh, they went straight to PKs uh, with Ricardo Pepe scoring the winning PK. Uh, Matt Turner stepping up huge in the PKs, uh, which the U.S. won three, the, or MLS, sorry, not U.S., MLS All-Stars uh, won three to one. Uh, Matt Turner was named MVP of the of the game. And Ricardo Pepe um, was basically announced that he was going to be joining the U.S. men's national team, 18 uh, year old uh, dual citizen, uh, Mexican-American. And we'll talk about him a little bit when we get to talk about the the CONCACAF uh, uh, World Cup qualifiers. But the only other major news out of this game was that uh, the this game was took place at uh, the LAFC Stadium, uh, whatever that is, Bank something park or whatever. Bank of California. Bank, Bank to California Park. Uh, thank you, MJ. Uh, the Mexican fans started the, the homophobic uh, P chance in the 10th minute, which caused the referees to stop the match in the 11th minute. Uh, so, you know, homophobia alive and well in soccer in both Liga MX and uh, MLS. So um, let that be. It's just the fact that we keep hearing this, it, it just all the time is very frustrating. When you say Heart, Mexican fans, you mean the fans of Mexico? The fans of the Mexican national team are the ones who, the main ones, there are, there are other confederations and stuff who use it. Don't like, don't get me wrong, but like right. it's primarily the Mexican national team fans that have been the ones who've been the most egregious about using it and the most brazen as well. So, and LAFC, you know, LA has a lot of Mexican Americans, a lot of people who are fans of the Mexican, the, of Liga MX teams. Um, you know, one thing that we always forget about here in the U S is that uh, the most watched soccer football league in the U S is not MLS. It's not no. EPL. It's not the EPL. It, it's Liga Mekis. Like that's, that is the yeah. most watched by it's not even close right now. Like um, I think EPL beats MLS and Liga Mekis blows EPL out of the water in terms of uh, viewers. So it is the most uh, popular national team in the United States is the, right. the Mexican national team. So there's a lot of uh, Mexican national team fans in the United States. And who scored for Liga Mekis? Uruguay I forgot to write Jonathan Hernandez oh. from Cruz Azul. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so that's all. You know, it was it was a, it was a pretty fun game. Um, I thought it would have been hilarious if the the Liga Mekis team had to forfeit because of the of the homophobic chants. Luckily, they were able to get things in line, and I I didn't hear it again. They didn't mention it on the broadcast again. So it was just that that one time in the very early part of the game, which is good um, that they were able to stomp it out, but. Again, there needs to be zero tolerance for that. And I think MOS stadiums are pretty good about, about um, trying to stomp that stuff out now. They haven't been, you know, in the, in the, in the years past, but it seems like they are pretty, pretty good now. So, all right. We alluded to him uh, earlier in the podcast as he's got the, uh, the hockey assist on the game winning goal. Uh, 30 year old striker Fernando Adi joins his fourth MLS team. Uh, MJ, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the other teams he's played for? Well, he grew up in Lagos, Nigeria, and he played his youth career was was in Nigeria. 
But in 2009, he went to uh, Trenchen, which is a Slovakian team, and he had two stints with the Slovakian team. In between his, his Slovak career, he played for three Ukrainian teams, including one that those that follow UEFA Champions League will know, um, Dinamo, Dinamo Kiev. He plays for Dinamo Kiev. That's a legit team. He, mm-hmm. he goes on and he plays, what, nine games with FC Copenhagen in Denmark, also a very legit team who plays in Europe. So, um, and then it was all downhill because he decided to join the Portland Timbers in, in 2014. Um, th- that being said, that's, that's not the downhill part, MJ. You're not, you're, you are, uh, you are forgetting the downhill part. FC Cincinnati and Columbus crew were, were, yeah. were, were, were the downhill part. He joined, I mean, he joined FC Cincinnati, I think in their, in their, um, uh, expansion season, uh, he was traded. Yeah. 2018, uh, uh, he was traded for up to a thousand dollars in allocation money. Um, he played the majority of that season um, or the rest of the season in the USL league that FC Cincinnati was playing before they joined uh, MLS uh, in 2019. And then he's had some, he's had some issues. Um, let's just, uh, let's just put it that way. What about 23 games, one goal in 23 games in three years says that there's issues, David? I mean, well, he also uh, had some, uh, let's say he's not making the smartest decisions on uh, with regards to alcohol and driving a motor vehicle. Um, ah. And, uh, and then, yeah, he, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so he then he went to Columbus Crew for a hot second and, you know, basically. Is Rooney, what you're saying? Favor? What's that? <laughs> Did we accept him as a favor to someone? So he was, so he was out of contract after the 2020 season. So he's basically been uh, not playing for the last, I mean, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's working out trying to keep fit, but he hasn't played a match um, since the end of the 2020 season. Um, uh, So yeah, so he's, uh, he's now a Minnesota United player. So um, bully for us. Uh, Another attacking player, right? We need an attacker. You know, there were several other out of contract attackers that I would probably have chosen before Fernando Adi, but he knows the league. If if all he's expected to do is do what we expected Kai Kamara to do, which is basically play twenty to thirty minutes a game, maybe create an assist, maybe score a cheap goal or two. Um, be, I mean, the dude's big. Like, just be a big ass body that can can see out games. And potentially steal a, 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 a you know a sloppy goal or two. So um, saying it's pork chop part two. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the great back heel. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's a, he's a less accomplished pork chop, but but who someone who knows but the older. league. Uh, no, he's actually younger than pork chop, but really? he uh, yeah. Fernando is only thirty years old, which I think everybody forgets. We'll think of Fernando Adi as being like in his, you know, mid, mid thirties, he's actually only 30 years old. So um, yeah, we're talking in soccer years. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, apparently, you know, people know who Fernando Adi is. There's a lot, there's definitely a book on him in MLS. And so clearly the, the, he did something. the genius is up in the front office, think they can do something with him. And I mean, honestly, like, I don't know if I would expect more than uh, a sweet back heel and not even a sweet back heel, but a, a good back yeah. heel. Now send from them a, to the glue factory. That's all we got. Um, 
so yeah i mean if we end up like you know stealing the fourth uh the fourth playoff spot by you know a point or two this we could point to this game as being a very critical point for that so uh all right we spent way too much time on fernando adi azil jackson uh was loaned to north carolina fc uh adrian unu was named to uh team of the week um and then uh the loons uh, versus Rapids match that was scheduled that was originally scheduled earlier in the season on a Wednesday that was moved to Saturday, October 9th, has been further moved to October 10th, what? Sunday at 4 p.m. because it's going to be, I think, an ESPN um, nationally televised game. So um, it's good. It's you know, it's a good move uh, in terms of exposure for the loons. Colorado is playing really well. This could be a very important game for both Colorado and Minnesota in terms of playoff seating. So yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's good. I think ultimately instead of playing on October 9th at 7 PM, you play on October 10th at 4 PM. So, uh, and then finally, if you are a loon season ticket holder, you should have received an email, um, or you probably are receiving an email very soon. Um, the team, you know, they always say that they, they're giving you an extra game. That's obvious. It's obviously often a friendly against a European team. Um, but you know, obviously with, uh, you know, the state of the world, there's not going to be a international friendly this year. So team email sent out basically said, when we return to full capacity, Allianz field this season, we included 14 games in your 2021 season ticket package, uh, 13 remaining MLS games and one bonus game to be announced at a later date. This bonus game will no longer be played during the 2021 season. We have credited your credited your account for the cost of your season tickets for this game. So if you had a ticket in the, in the Wonderwall, you're getting the, the cost of that back, um, which you'll be can use as credit probably you know, towards next season. Uh, or if there's a playoff game, you can use that as credit towards a playoff game. I would assume I haven't read the email uh, or I've I just I I browse the email. I haven't like dug deep into it. So um, so that's good. Um, One job. Not, David. One job. Yes. Well, you know, the moral of the story is that they're keeping your money um, interest free uh, until you can use it. So um, if you are Thanks. care about that stuff, so just like they did with, uh, you know, the season ticket money from before. So it's interest free loan for Dr. Bill McGuire. Um, we know he's really good at money. So not as good at stocks, but he's good at money. Not so. as good as our money as his. All right. Be before, before we uh, take a break here, uh, MJ, you have a, a better Noah loon something. Yeah, uh, happy birthday to Adrian Zenzejas, our favorite Adrian on Minnesota United. And just want to share... Whoa, whoa, whoa. How many goals has Zenzejas scored? I didn't say Adrian. I didn't say Adrian. I said Ad- our favorite Adrian. Oh, Adrian. Okay. All right. Um, so, uh, and there's only, other, oh, there's only one other Adrian, David, to my knowledge. But I just... Uh, he was born in Chula Vista, California. He is 26 years old. He got his actually his start at uh, Club Tijuana uh, in Liga MX uh, with their uh, youth academy. And uh, then in 2016, moved to the Swope Park Rangers, the affiliate of Sporting Kansas City. He then played for Sporting Kansas City, loaned back to the Swope Park Rangers. And then in 2020, he played for Nashville. And then we picked him up because we decided we needed a fourth goalkeeper, which, to be honest, at the time with our injuries, we did yeah. need another goalkeeper. And he's been great. Like, I think he played two games for us last in the COVID year last year. I believe so, yeah. I think it was, yeah, two. Um, 
All right. Well, happy birthday to Adrian. So, Adrian. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, I promise a shorter second half. We have the Minneapolis City Minute, the Go for Soccer Gala, and uh, we'll talk about some CONCACAF Men's World Cup qualification. We'll be right back. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want you like me too but we both know i can't do nothing at all all right and we are back uh second half of the dave zeno podcast uh we'll start it off with the minneapolis city minute uh minneapolis city played a friendly on september 28th against the augsburg men's soccer team the the team they share a field with uh and they won two nothing right mj yeah, both goals came from center backs. The first one from Jonah Garcia, the second from Tyler David. And both of those guys have two first names. So always watch out for the <laughs> guys with two first names. Especially if one's named David. Yeah. We should get him on the Dave's I Know podcast. Tyler uh, David you know, on the Dave's yeah, I Know podcast. We, you, yeah. You've never had someone with the last name David uh, on the Dave's I Know. I do not believe so. I think you are correct there. So uh, their next, I believe, final match of the season before they start U.S. Open Cup qualifying theoretically fingers crossed uh is tuesday september 7th uh it's a 7 p.m friendly at ford madison um at Bree stevens field i know there's a a bunch of uh of people who are going to this game uh if you get an opportunity to go it's it's fun Bree stevens field is, is a is a great time is a great time it's a great stadium it's an old repurposed baseball field um mm. but they it's you know they, they, they do concerts there uh so madison's as set up shop there for the last several years. Um, they do a really good job. The concessions are great. There's not a ton of lines. The four medicine uh, fans are, are fun. The flock, which is their, their, you know, their Wonderwall dark cloud equivalent are great people who are very warm and engaging. Um, they'll probably buy you a beer. Uh, and uh, it's Madison and Madison's like a fun fucking town. So um, if you have the opportunity to go to a, a match against a USL league one team, uh, for Madison and Minneapolis City, I think it'll be a, f- a fun match. Have, MJ, have you been to a, a Ford Madison game at Bree at Bree Stevens? No, this is no? my first time going to Ford Madison, and, and I'm only somewhat disheartened by the fact that I won't be cheering for Madison. Like I was planning to go and and cheer and cheer. So many from Coach Carl Craig to you know center back Connor Tobin, assistant coach Neil Havity. I yep, JC Banks. Um, uh, yeah, so I mean, like a lot of former Minnesota United Minnesota Stars repping rep there, and yeah, uh, but I'll I, I will be pretty biased for the Crows this game. And you have to be. I think that's that's totally fine. But um, I'm guessing you probably won't see Connor Tobin take the field against uh, against Minneapolis City. But you never yeah, know. You'll probably sit that one out. But uh, yeah, it should be a fun game. If you are, if you're going, find MJ, um, and uh, say hi. So, all right, let's go to the Go for Soccer Gala. Uh, they played a match last Thursday, October, August 26th, down in Des Moines against the Drake Bulldogs, and Minnesota came out victorious. In the fifth minute, midfielder Megan Gray sent in a cross into the box. It hit a defender's arm. I was making her body bigger. So. Uh, Center back Delaney Stecker 
steps up, scores a penalty kick. That's her first Gopher soccer goal in her career. And basically, they limit to Drake to only four shots. Um, Megan Flashko, the goalkeeper, only uh, had to make one save. She gets her third clean sheet of the, the season, her eighth clean sheet in 13 starts. Uh, pretty impressive all around for the Gophers. And uh, they are now two wins, one draw on the season. Yeah, good start. And they have a couple of games this week, don't they? Yeah, upcoming at uh, Elizabeth Lyle Robbie Stadium in St. Paul, close to Falcon Heights, uh, close to Roseville, Minnesota. They are playing Thursday, September 2nd, 1 p.m. Home game versus Mississippi State Bulldogs. Um, it is their first matchup in uh, women's college soccer history. The, these two teams have never played oh. before. Uh, Mississippi State uh, could be nationally ranked, but they uh, actually lost at home to Arizona State last week. So this should be a good game. This should be another tough test like Baylor was for the Gophers. And then they play Sunday uh, also at home, 5 p.m. or uh, September 5th at 1 p.m. against the Wyoming Cowgirls. All right. Um, yeah, get out to Elizabeth Lyle Robbie Stadium. It, it's it's a very gorgeous, uh, uh, you know, traditional college soccer stadium. Um, I unfortunately have a work meeting that starts at 1 p.m. I'm gonna have to check in with Matt Pravatsky if I can get on that uh, U of M Wi-Fi to uh, to do my meeting, my 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. meeting from the uh, from the stadium on Thursday. <laughs> so oh, wow, yeah. So yeah, it's like one of the first meetings I'm gonna have at this new job. So I probably shouldn't miss it, but I kind of want to go watch soccer as well. So maybe I'll try and get out. To, maybe I'll try and get the kids out to the game on the fifth. So, uh, all right. And then uh, our last sort of little bit here, it, it's going to be a bit of an extended bit, but um, it's the last part of the podcast. So if you're not interested in CONCACAF men's world cup qualifying, please turn the podcast off. We have been the Daves, you know, this is the Daves. I know let's talk. About, <laughs> let's talk about the USA. Uh, this is an interesting qualification uh, this time around. Um, it's not the hexagonal as we are used to, uh, it's the octagonal and, uh, MJ, tell us about the format for, for this one. Well, the three second round winners, which happen to be El Salvador, Canada and Panama beating Curacao, damn it. Uh, so those three, um, El Salvador, Canada and Panama join the top five CONCACAF teams based on FIFA world rankings in July, 2020. Yeah. yeah. Makes a lot of <clears> sense. <throat> Those five teams being Mexico, USA, Costa Rica, Jamaica, and Honduras. And this is the final round of qualifying. Normally every CONCACAF team joins in the, in the last to final round of qualifying. You, you play a, a group, at least in the past has been, you play a group round. Um, and then the, the top two teams from those group rounds all uh, qualify for, yeah. or the, Top team, yeah, it's the top teams in each group qualified then for the the final round. This is because of the COVID, because of the cut down in match days. They changed up the format this year, so we have the octagonal, which means there's 14 games. We play each of these teams home and away. Um, not all of the venues have been announced yet. Uh, we I think there's we're just waiting on the January slash February camp and then the March camp for the last uh, round of qualifiers. But 
we have a USA team. Um, uh, 26 players were selected by Greg Berhalter. Um, that's an expanded uh, camp. Their rosters will be expanded as well to 23 players, uh, 23 players on your game day roster. So you can have 26, they have 26 players in camp, three of which won't be able to travel um, uh, with the team. And I believe they're doing five subs uh, as they have been. Um, so U.S. team, both U.S. and the whichever CONCACAF team they're playing have up to five subs um, for the qualifying matches. So, so yeah, MJ, tell us a little bit about uh, some of the key parts of the M- uh, USA roster. Well, nine MLS players are coming from MLS, which is impressive. Because That's where MLS players would come from. Well, sorry, nine of the U.S. players on the roster c- come from MLS. <laughs> Thank you, David. <laughs> so, anyways, keep going, please. No, I appreciate it because after I sound like a complete, like, absent-minded asshole, like, I can sound even more like an absent-minded asshole. This is I don't my- know anyone who'd ever, like, I don't think we've ever... No one, you can't even make someone mad enough at you to call you an asshole, MJ. Promise. I don't know. Uh, I mean, if you want to try, we can practice, do some role playing. But uh, role playing for later. Um, (laughs) So uh, the MLS players include one goalkeeper, Matt Turner, of course, and 18 year old Ricardo Pepe. Who David who's a, yeah, who's a dual national Mexican American. <clears throat> um, he actually put out a really, I get, I wish I had it from me, a really great statement, basically sort of um, confirming his Mexicanness and and how how much that's important to him. He I uh, grew up in Texas, um, and then basically just sort of reaffirmed like, but I'm making the decision to play for the team where I the, the country where I was born and it's given me this opportunity. It was a really for an 18 year old kid was a great fucking statement. And um, I know there's a, if you are a U.S. men's national team follower, there's always this big push to try and get these dual national kids, especially um, before it was the Germans because of Jurgen Quinsman and he was going, getting all these German kids who had never, never been to America, never been to the U.S. or everybody's kind of like a lot of people, you know, being sort of jingoistic. We're like, well, what, like, are they really Americans if they've, you know, you know, their father's a ser- some pretty horrible statements. Yeah, their father's a serviceman who, you know, served in Germany. And, you know, you know, so people are there was a lot of, yeah, really shitty statements that were put out about that by including some national team legends like Abby, Abby Wambach. Um, so now that there's this, there's this push to get a lot of to get some of these Mexican-Americans um, players uh, who have you know, Mexican heritage, you know, probably even directly from the, from their fathers and mothers. Um, to commit to the U S we've lost a couple over the course of the last several years, including Jonathan Gonzalez. And then most recently, uh, David Ochoa, the goalkeeper from RSL, um, Julian Araujo, uh, who is a really promising right back is kind of waffling on whether he wants to play for the U S or Mexico. Um, so it's good to get a, a kid, uh, especially an 18 year old kid. Who's, um, really highly regarded. This might be a little early for him, uh, in terms of getting him, um, match died and stuff. Uh, he is very raw, but he's been tearing up MLS this year. I think he's like leading the league in goals right now, or he's like second. He's he's very close to top of the league in goals. He's been tearing up MLS, especially over the course of the last couple of months. So this is a this is a good get for the U.S. men's national team. Um, it's a good get for Greg Berhalter and for just uh, building this pipeline of talent um, 
that we're going to need to sustain um, what I'm hoping will be a good, you know, six to eight years of uh, U.S. men's national team soccer. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the strikers for the U.S. national team, after Josh Sargent and then maybe uh, Jordan Sebastio, um, normally you would say Zardes and DK would be next in line, but they are injured. So, you know, maybe Ricardo Pepe can, can get in there. I agree with David, probably not going to get a lot of playing time. I, I think he'll play for sure. I think he'll, he'll get t- cap tied. And then um, there's the, they've changed the rules in terms of like leaving, you know, not like getting uncapped tied and switching uh, federations. Um, it'd be really hard for him to do it. <clears throat> he won't be able to do it before uh, the next uh, world cup qualifying cycle. So, so I think he'll get cap tied. I think he'll be good. I mean, kid's been, like I said, he's been uh, killing it in an MLS uh, this season. So um, definitely. Uh, worth a look. Uh, yeah, you mentioned a couple other Zardes and, and DKL with injuries. <clears throat> Paul Ariola, um, a Greg Berhalter favorite, also out with a hamstring injury. Uh, and then uh, just recently, I think it was in the last like 18 hours, uh, it was announced that Lil Winger Timothy Wea, um, not Lil Winger Timothy Wea, but Lil, the club <laughs> winger Timothy Wea, out for several yeah. weeks with an injury. Uh, apparently picked up a knock in training, which uh, the Lille manager said that, um, yeah, it's going to be several weeks out. So we're not 100% sure if Greg Berhalter will bring someone else in. Um, there's not a ton of domestic strikers that would make a ton of sense. Uh, there are a couple of uh, subs, um, snubs that, we, that we'll talk about here in a sec that might make sense if he wants to bring them in. Um, do you just want to mention those right now, uh, MJ? We can we actually sure, just jump I- into that and then we can... Go back. Uh, Giochini, uh, who plays in France, and uh, Matthew Hoppy, who play, plays for Schalke in Germany. Matthew Hoppy plays for Everton. What did you just say? Uh, didn't didn't Matthew Hoppy cre- create uh, finish his transfer to Everton? Transfer? Yeah, which is why which is why he wasn't in the pool. I I think I'm pretty sure. Um. Maybe not. Maybe I'm. Oh, maybe no. You're right. You're, he's in Shaka still. I thought. I thought for sure he got moved to Everton. I think I would have heard about that. I thought you would have too, which is why it was weird um, <laughs> that you hadn't heard about that. He hasn't really played for Shaka. Um, okay, it looks like Everton made it. Had had sort of had been looking at him. Um, looks like maybe Mallorca might be uh, might be the place because Matthew Abbey's not playing in the in the Zwei Bundesliga because Shaka got relegated. Uh, to these Vibe Bundesliga last year, and they're doing like they're playing like shit right now too. Actually, in these Vibe Bundesliga, so um, they make they, they make it relevant. Get, they, why Hoppy can't get playing time? Right. Well, that they're just trying to get rid of him because he's cost probably they can probably make a, a fucking mint on him. Um, all right. So th- those are the other stops on the, on the forwards, um, midfielders. Uh, yeah, wait, wait, wait. Polistic is also probably out due to catching COVID at Chelsea. He's probably out for the opener. Um, everything he he was supposed to test. So yeah, so he was he would have out. He basically out for ten days. His ten day quarantine period was over on Saturday. If he tested negative on Saturday, he could fly to the U.S. today to join the 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 national team in because they they're based out of Nashville because their second game is in Nashville. He I have not heard anything about him not testing positive. So I'm assuming 
that he is he's in the U.S. right now. Yesterday. Okay, so yeah, so he tested negative, which means he's good. Um, but you're right; he's probably not going to play the opener against El Salvador. He hasn't trained with a team uh, since like ten days ago or eleven days ago now. So he probably trained today. He'll train tomorrow, maybe. I mean, there's, I guess there's a there's a possibility that he, if he looks good, he he goes down on the he's a, a part of the 23 man roster. But there's no way he starts. I think against El Salvador, he maybe comes in for. 20 25 minutes at the end of a game but more than likely to your point he probably plays on sunday against canada when he's had a full week to train so and i'm guessing he doesn't make the trip so he doesn't have to leave the country at all and he just continue continue recovering and healing or whatever you've got to do um sometimes international travel just takes a lot out of you uh most likely that means that uh in christian politics I mean, we all know that Gio Reyna's got that that right wing slot locked up. So on the left wing, where Pulisic would normally play, either Salzburg's Brendan Aronson or Marseille's Conrad De La Fuente will probably get the start. Who've both been playing really, really well. Uh, Aronson yeah. scored two goals in their uh, RB uh, Salzburg's Champions League qualification game. Uh, and then Conrad De La Fuente, I believe, has two goals and an assist for Marseille since moving from Barcelona. So um, there's a there's a very real possibility, actually, that Reyna might play in a, more of a 10 role um, or either of these guys could actually play. We didn't go through all the, the entire roster, and I, I don't really want to do that. There's many other much better podcasts that do that, including Allocation Disorder and then the Scuff podcast. If you want to, like, get a deep dive into the U.S. men's national team roster and the top possible formations they might run. Um, but... Greg Berhalter has in the last four months, basically has sort of really put his system into place. He really likes to play a four, three, three, but he's also really, he's run out some, some different formations to give him a lot more flexibility in terms of what he can do. Um, El Salvador, their first match that those guys are going to push. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to, go at at the United States, um, which will give the U S an opportunity to not have to sit back and absorb pressure, but actually to do some high pressing themselves and create chances. Uh, Canada is a pretty good team. Um, you know, they're maybe, maybe the third best team in the region right now. Costa Rica is kind of, kind of a shit show. Um, so they're, they're possibly, they could be the third best team in the, in the, in the, uh, in CONCACAF right now, and they have probably the best player in CONCACAF in Alfonso Davies. Um, you can make an argument for a couple other players, including players on the U.S. and player, players on Mexico, but Alfonso Davies is playing right back for uh, one of the best teams in the world right now. Um, and then they have Jonathan Jonathan David as well. So um, Bayern Munich, right? Exactly. Bayern Munich, yeah, exactly. Fuck so guys. Canada um, is, will be an interesting test. That's at home. And then Honduras, uh, the game on uh, September 8th, is uh, they're going to sit back. There's they're going to want to just absorb pressure. So you're going to you're going to have potentially have three different styles that you might want to play against these teams, and we have the depth, and we have the depth to do it. Whereas El Salvador is going to play their way. They can't change. Um, anyways, yeah, go ahead, MJ. Oh, that that third game on what next uh, a week from Wednesday, uh, September eighth against Honduras in Honduras. The pitch is probably going to be shitty. And and they're going to 
be very physical. They're going to, they're going to try to foul the hell out of us. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you want to know what CONCACAF the adjective is all about, that, that's the game to watch right there. <laughs> very much so. Um, yeah. So the, uh, the matches that we kind of want to, we ha- kind of want to highlight coming up this week, uh, Thursday, September 2nd is like the start of this, uh, uh octagonal, um, at 9 PM, uh, El Mex- or Mex- sorry, Mexico and Jamaica play at the Estadio Azteca. This game will be b- behind closed doors. No fans allowed because of the, um, was it the chance in the nation's league matches? Yeah. I think yeah. they haven't, they haven't adjudicated the, uh, the gold cup matches yet. So, so Mexico had a two match ban um, with no fans uh, that was reduced to one game. It will be taking place this game. I think they reduced it because Mexico had planned to use it uh, for one of their women's team matches. And they're like, fuck that. Yeah. Um, Which is weirdly entirely within the rights of the Federation to do, which is probably a rule that needs to get changed uh, post haste. Um, So they're doing it for this game. Uh, and then 9.05 is when the El Salvador-USA game uh, kicks off in San Salvador. Uh, and then three days later, on the 5th of September, um, at 6 p.m., Costa Rica and Mexico play. These are the two other typical powerhouses in uh, CONCACAF. Um, Costa Rica has, has been down for a little while now. They still employ Francisco Calvo as the uh, starting left back, I believe. But they play a, They play a three, don't they? Out of the back. She's like a left center back. We need to have a do Rosales on the podcast so we can talk about. <laughs> we should. We had, yeah. It's been a while since we had a do on. We should bring a do on and, and and talk Costa Rica, Costa Rican soccer. Los Picos, um, Los yeah. Picos love. Well, they basically like quit on their coach uh, to get him fired because they really hated their coach. So they play Mexico uh, at home. So that's a big game for them. They really need to win that if they if they want to qualify for the World Cup in 2022. And then at 7 p.m., USA uh, versus Canada kicks off. That's that game's taking place in Nashville. And then finally, we'll hopefully we'll be podcasting again before. But if you if we don't, um, Wednesday, September 8th, as MJ mentioned, 9:05 p.m., uh, Honduras versus uh, USA uh, at the Estadio Olimpico Metropolitano uh, in San Pedro Sula uh, in Honduras. So yeah, that's the uh, U.S. men's national team start of World Cup qualifying. Yay! Thanks, Jess. She's still here. <laughs> that was a lot of MJ and David talking. Uh, <laughs> all right. So please, um, if you have any questions about any of that, uh, you know, the U.S. men's national team. We're, so we're trying to figure out what our next podcast will be. Uh, we have uh, promises from MJ that we'll bring on a Seattle Sounders fan. Uh, to talk about Seattle and uh, and a little bit about what's going on over there. They're kind of in a rut right now, so it'd be, it might be an interesting podcast. So we'll let you all know when the plan is. It, for might, the, it might not. You never might not, know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, all right. Rate review, our, rate, review the podcast. Uh, uh, follow wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Patreon.com slash the Dave's know. Again, please, the, the beer will be coming up very soon. At TDIKMN on Twitter, if you want to uh, engage with us, I'm at Texas LR. MJ is at MJ Matsui. And Jessica is still at Jessica144083. Niner. Two. We have been the Daves You Know. This is. This is the Daves I Know. Be in agreement now, but we have got to try and work it out. Cause
as you do yours land here become fecund yeah. uh, we, we do yeah. our thing son Through the act we attract two hope to reach one uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing do it we do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. Y'all know we can't do nothing at